Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for listening to the BamiInsider.com podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to break this up into two segments. The first segment is Nick Saban's opening press conference from fall training camp. That's from Monday, August 17th. And the second segment is Andrew Bone talking about Alabama's newest commit, Jalen Milrow, a Rivals 100 quarterback that flipped from Texas to Alabama on Monday evening. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Be sure and subscribe at BamaInsider.com along with on YouTube. Just search BamaInsider.com. Here's a Nick Saban press conference. Well, it's obviously great to be on the field. I think the players are really excited about having the opportunity uh, to go out and practice, you know, together as a team, which has kind of been a long time coming. Um, you know, I think our players did a great job of managing all the uncertainties uh, that we've had, you know, the entire summer. Um, They've worked hard. Uh, the strength and conditioning coaches have done a great job with them. Uh, we made significant progress physically, you know, with a lot of our players, uh, which we're very pleased with. Um, you know, the the days that we were allowed to have, you know, one hour on the field with them and one hour in meetings went extremely well. It was pretty much like a mini camp, except we just couldn't do full speed, you know, kind of team type stuff. But the players did some of that on their own, like seven on seven. Uh, and it went very, very well. Um, <coughs> look, we continue to try to give our, our players an opportunity to play. Uh, they want to play, uh, to be able to compete, to be able to create value for themselves. Uh, and we're working very, very hard to uh, give them an opportunity to do that in a safe way. Um, you know, every player on our team has been told, you don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable with. All right, so anything that we're asking you to do that you're not comfortable with, uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to do it. And, you know, with that being said, uh, we have a lot of privacy, you know, uh, laws relative to college athletics and college athletes, uh, and we're going to respect those things when it comes to, you know, health issues with our players. Uh, those things will be kept internal to the team, uh, and we'll keep those things, you know, in-house. Um, you know, we're acting in the direction of, you know, the SEC Medical Task Force, the CDC, a lot of other folks to uh, try to comply 100 uh, percent with everything that we can do to create a safe environment for our players. Uh, and I think it's twofold. You know, the bubble we have here, we've been very successful with. Uh, we've had less than a 2 percent, you know, positive rate since I think the last month or so, uh, less than 1 percent the last couple weeks. Uh, so the personal bubble that guys have to form outside of here, I think, will be a real key to uh, us being able to keep the players safe and keep them healthy. And uh, that's relative to they, what they do you know, as a student. All right, so we're trying to give them direction on that. Uh, we have the Surgeon General speaking to the team tonight, uh, which we're trying to inform our players and give them the best possible education uh, in every possible health and medical issue uh, that COVID-19 can possibly present to them. Um, and we're constantly weighing the consequences of playing, uh, but we're also weighing the consequences of not playing uh, and how that would impact the players uh, and what they would do and the isolation that it would create uh, for them and how we can manage it for them. Uh, so our goals for fall camp you know, are not much different, even though this is not really going to be camp. It's going to be more like you know, in-season practice uh, is to, you know, form hardcore fundamentals of discipline, work ethic, 
uh, mental and physical toughness to be able to sustain. Uh, obviously, conditioning is a really important part of that, uh, which we always have to improve on. Uh, we want the players to improve their fundamentals in terms of technique, but also in their knowledge of offense, defense, and special team systems so that they have a chance to go out there and uh, compete uh, and play well and create value for themselves when, when and if they get the opportunity to do that. And we want to come together as a team uh, and you know, have a lot of pride in being an Alabama football player and being responsible for you know, what goes with um, the, the accountability and responsibility that goes with what a player has to do to represent this university and our team. So um, with that, I'll take questions. Coach, has, uh, have any players opted out, and can you give us an update on uh, is anyone injured at the start of camp? Right. We, 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 we only have Brandon Caho has a slight knee injury, probably out for a few days. Um, you know, like I said, we're, we're not going to uh, – we're going to keep all those issues internal to our team. Uh, the players have asked me to do that. Uh, and I agree with them. You know, that's what I meant by the privacy laws of uh, what we have to do to protect guys, you know, in college football. So, um, you know, if and when a player is ready to make an announcement about that, we'll, we'll give it to you, and that'll be his prerogative to do that. Next is Heather Dinich. Please unmute yourself, Heather, and go ahead. Nate, can you hear me? Sure. If you are able to have a college football season this year, how do you think the college football playoff should change, if at all, to determine a national championship in a year that's so unpredictable and, and strange? Well, you know, obviously that's a hypothetical question, but in my opinion, um, there's going to be three conferences playing. Uh, I think the players look forward to the playoffs. Uh, I think the players that play should have an opportunity to have a playoff and have a championship uh, for, the, for the teams that are playing. Um, that's my opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of people that may or may not agree with that. But if we're fortunate enough to be able to manage this with player safety being the number one concern for all of us um, and that we can go through a season and we can figure out who the best teams are, I think there'll be a lot of interest uh, to see those teams play. Uh, and I know the players would certainly look forward you know, to playing. That's one of the biggest questions our players ask us. Coach, if we play, will we be able to play in a playoff? We want to have a chance to play in a championship if we have a good season. So um, that, that's where I sort of formulate my opinion from is what our players think. Yeah, Nick, uh, I know there's a lot of talk about the, the players and their health, but just wondering about you, what's your approach to the health protocols as someone who's in maybe in a, uh, an age range to maybe more at risk than some of the players? So you calling me an old, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> more so than the players, maybe. <laughs> Look, you know, we have a lot of respect for um, what we need to do uh, with everybody in our organization in terms of what we got to do to stay safe. I mean, we all wear masks in the building. I just took mine off to come in here because it was so hot outside. 
Um, I wear one that's around your neck and you pull up like you're robbing a bank, whatever they're called. Uh, and, um, you know, everybody in the building does that. Uh, and, you know, we've done everything that we can do here. Uh, we have Syntex in the building, which is supposed to kill germs and all kind of stuff circulating. So uh, we've, we've, we test our players at the beginning on Sunday. Uh, we've done it. Uh, ever since the 4th of July so that they know that the players that they're working out with are healthy and safe and then we do it later in the week. So our players are used to being tested twice a week, which is most people are just starting now, but we're, we're, we've been doing that all along because I wanted every player to know the guy he was working out with uh, or doing some drill with or whatever um, was not something that he had to fear. And I think that's helped us tremendously. Um, look, I, I practice social distancing uh, we try to keep our distance when we're away from here, uh, our personal bubble, uh, Miss Terry and I, uh, and just, you know, our immediate family. Um, when I go see my mother, who's 88 years old, we sit 10 feet apart on a, on a park bench uh, and talk for 45 minutes or an hour. Um, and, you know, I say, Mom, I'm not giving you a hug today because I love you. So, I mean, I think... There's a lot of changes that we all have to make in our lifestyle and the things that we do um, to try to stay safe, and uh, we certainly have respected those things. Um, we do the same thing when we're in meetings with players. We stay spread out. Everybody has social distance. Everybody wears a mask. Um, so we're doing everything we can to stay safe, and um, and I, I don't I don't fear. Uh, this because we're trying to do the right thing and we have great medical care here and we've got medi great medical protocols to try to keep people safe and I feel very confident uh, in trying to uh, respect and do those things as well as possible. Okay, we're going to go to Aaron Suttles. Aaron, please unmute uh, yourself. Nick, what's the one area of the defense you want to see improve this year and what role maybe does, does Dylan Moses play in that? Well, I think we need to improve overall on defense. I mean, you know, we gave up 18 and a half points a game last year, which is the most we've given up. The last two years, we've given up the most points uh, we have for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I think we need um, better leadership. Um, I think Dylan Moses can provide some of that. Uh, I think we have to play better against the run. Uh, I don't think we played very well in the red area last year. Uh, we did a great job of getting turnovers. We got 28 you know, turnovers last year, which was first in the conference. Um, but, you know, we, we, we just have to get more physical with the line of scrimmage. I think the big challenge for this team because of the four starters we lost in the secondary out of five guys is to get that rebuilt um, with some good players who lack experience. Um, but they are, they are good players and we have confidence in them. So, uh, but that's going to be a key to the drill, especially, you know, the fact that they we didn't have spring practice, and we weren't able to work with these guys as much as we usually are. Uh, but uh, I, I really think you know a lot of these Zoom things that we did in the offseason and the meetings that we had really helped players conceptually understand the defense and what they were supposed to do. Maybe not so much how they were supposed to do it, uh, but why it's important to do it that way and what they were supposed to do. I think there was a lot of benefit to a lot of that. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Coach, I'm sorry. Uh, 
this sort of goes to something you've said before, but I'm thinking about how much you like to go first on first. And if things like that have to be adjusted, or do you think they have to be adjusted? I don't understand. Say that again, Kirk. We're having trouble hearing you. Uh, I think, Coach, you like to go a lot of first on first, or more than most people maybe. And uh-huh. I wonder if first on first is a concern uh, with the situation. Why would it be? I mean, I don't know why it would be. I I, I, I don't understand well, the reasoning behind the question. I'm sorry, let me – the question, I guess, is like, would you put your uh, left tackle against your best pass rusher for an extended period of time, uh, or would you maybe go first on second floor? I'm sorry, that's uh, not clear. Yeah, well, we're we're trying to know that the guy you're playing against in practice doesn't have it uh, through extensive testing. Um, you know, we have a testing center here, and every player can get tested every day if they want to. Um, so I still think there's value in practicing good on good, uh, challenging people. Um, you know, we, we have got some medical information that when people are outside and they're just briefly in contact with each other, uh, they do have the shields on um, that they're not at great risk uh, of spreading um, this disease. But at the same time, you know, we're hopeful that uh, we're not putting anybody out there that has it. Uh, and we certainly, one of the reasons that we're only going to play SEC teams is we can control the protocol of making sure whoever we're playing against and whoever they're playing against uh, does not have it as well. So, um, how. I have thought about, you know, when we were doing workout groups and so forth in the summer, you know, not putting all the receivers in the same group, don't put all the offensive linemen in the same group. So if one guy got it, you know, that whole, you know, position would get wiped out. Um, I, we did think about some of those things, uh, but really haven't thought about the good on good part of it. Yeah, I'm here. Thank you very much. Um, Nick, uh, the full schedule was released uh, tonight from the SEC. What, um, what is your take on the SEC-only schedule? What challenges and opportunities does this present for your organization? Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, people made a decision based on, you know, player safety, you know, what was best for the league, what we could control player safety with. And, you know, there was a lot of expert people that I have a lot of respect for medically as well as professionally who, you know, made this decision. Uh, it's not an easy decision, uh, but uh, it's something that we're, you know, all committed to trying to create a safe environment for the players to be able to play and compete. I think the fact that we're playing 10 SEC games, I mean, I've been a guy that's been wanting to play 10 SEC games for a long time. Um, so this year we get to do that. Uh, I think it's good for our players who get the opportunity to create value against 10 really quality opponents, uh, you know, in our league. Um, And uh, I think it's going to be very challenging uh, because, you know, it's going to be every week you're going to have a very, very good opponent. But I think it's, you know, good for the fans. Um, Hopefully it'll create a lot of interest. Um, And uh, I'm I'm, I'm pleased with it. And, you know, I – looked at this, you know, schedule and, you know, I think they did it as fairly as possible. And, you know, we go to Missouri to start, play Texas A&M early. 
Uh, we got to play everybody at some point in time, so we just got to take them one game at a time. So, uh, and that's exactly how we've always approached it, and we will approach it right now. Nick, just uh, there's a lot made yesterday um, with some of the students returning to campus, and a lot of them weren't wearing masks and, and gathering in, in large crowds. Uh, obviously, Greg Byrne came out and was pretty vocal against that. Just what was your um, your view of that, seeing that yesterday? Well, you know, I think democracy is great, and I think people that have all these freedoms, I think that's all great. But I think there's one thing that is probably a common denominator that. Uh, really makes all that work, and that's that people have great moral integrity and in the choices and decisions that they make. And you know, I'm not criticizing anybody here, but uh, a lot of people have asked that we wear masks when we're in public, uh, when we're in crowds, when we're in large groups of people, that we keep social distanced. And I, I don't think they're doing that just for the heck of it. Uh, I think there's a reason for it. Uh, we're trying to control the spread of this disease, uh, and I think that our ability to do that is going to go a long way in saying whether we can play football or not. Uh, but bigger than that, uh, it's just your own personal bubble for your own personal safety. You know, every one of these students uh, to take the proper care of themselves and respect the protocols that people are recommending for your safety. Uh, and I just think that's the smart thing to do. Hey, Coach, I just wanted to ask, you mentioned Dylan Moses earlier, and are he and the rest of the guys that either missed all the season or a lot of the season last year, are they good to go in camp from a health standpoint? Yeah, they're all good to go. They've been going all, all summer, uh, all spring. Um, yeah, they've been going, not a problem. All right, Coach, thank you. All right, thank you. Appreciate you all. Now in our second segment, Andrew AndrewBonabamaInsider.com talks about Alabama's newest commitment, Jalen Milrow, a Rivals 100 quarterback out of Texas that flipped from Texas to Alabama. Here's Andrew Bone breaking it down. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? It's Kyle Henderson, Andrew Bone, breaking news. Jalen Milrow is in for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Flips from Texas to Alabama here with Andrew Bone to break it all down. Bone, gigantic news tonight with Jalen Milrow jumping on board. What does it mean for the Crimson Tide? Well, it means Alabama got its quarterback. Um, you know, very exciting news. Uh, you know, for the Crimson Tide, uh, getting Jalen Milrow on board, one of the uh, top quarterbacks in the country, uh, member of the Rivals 100, you know, flips his commitment from the Texas Longhorns to the Crimson Tide. And I think what you know many people may have forgotten about is Jalen Milrow was heavily favoring Alabama last summer. Uh, we saw Jalen Milrow, Drake May both come in uh, pretty much at the sa same workout at the same camp. Uh, and Alabama was extremely high on both of these kids uh, after camp. Well, Drake May decided in July that he wanted to go ahead and jump on board with, uh, with the Crimson Tide, which basically meant that, uh, that Alabama had to wait in terms of taking a second quarterback in the 2022 uh, recruiting class if they were going to take a, a second one at all because Bryce Young had yet to make his decision. So you know, Alabama took Drake May, and then all of a sudden – uh, they had to wait a little bit longer for uh, you know to make a decision on Jalen Milrow because of because of Bryce Young and uh, at the time uh, Jalen Milrow decided to commit to Texas. Well, uh, as we know, Bryce Young signs with Alabama. 
Drake May, I believe it was March the 1st, decommits from Alabama and flips to North Carolina, um, you know, home state school. His father, brother, both played fo- – uh, well, his father played football there. His brother uh, played basketball there. But uh, Alabama, you know, continued to recruit Jalen Milrow throughout the entire time. Even when Drake May, uh, you know, was still committed, there was still an open line of communication. Uh, you know, it was still going on throughout the entire process. So it wasn't like Alabama just, you know – started you know recruiting him again once Drake May decommitted they were always uh, talking to him and that relationship was uh, was very strong throughout the entire process and you know we've been saying for the last you know several months ever since Drake May decommitted from Alabama flipped to North Carolina that really need to watch out for Jalen Milrow because it, there was a possibility there I thought he he would probably have to get back t- to Alabama before a uh, before a decommitment from Texas would happen but um as many people probably saw over the weekend, uh, Quinn Ears, uh, Ears, excuse me, uh, the number one quarterback in the 2022 recruiting class, committed to Texas uh, the other day. So, uh, you know, that's something that we said, you know, it's something to watch. We don't know what's really going to happen just yet, but it's something to keep an eye on uh, with a five-star quarterback committing in, in next year's recruiting class. Uh, it may push Milrow over to uh, over to the Crimson Tide, and it certainly did uh, this evening. So uh, big news for Alabama. They get the quarterback that, uh, you know, that they have heavily recruited for a very long time and uh, certainly one of the guys that was you know, probably one, I guess it you know from the start to finish one of the top two guys on Alabama's uh, recruiting board at the quarterback position well when we look at Jalen Milrow I mean guy's a specimen kid's a baller right I mean Alabama doing work in the Lone Star State let's talk about him as a player um, checked out his highlight tapes I mean this guy's electric on the field yeah, he certainly is. I mean, he's six foot three, 195 pounds. Uh, he's got a great arm, you know, very strong arm, um, you know, very good at, uh, you know, escaping, escaping the pocket, always keeps his feet moving. I was looking downfield, you know, I'm certainly impressed with, with what I've seen on the film. I, you know, I haven't had a chance to see him in person yet. So really looking forward to, uh, you know, hopefully seeing him in person one day, but uh, you know, you got to like what you see on film. Uh, you know, great leader, uh, had a great junior season, uh, about 2,700 yards passing, 29 touchdown passes also had close to about 400 yards uh on the ground as well so you know certainly a a great dual threat quarterback and certainly somebody that can uh, that can beat you and you know he also has the running ability uh much like a, a another quarterback who played in T- in Tuscaloosa for a while uh also from Texas also with the name Jalen yeah, I thought that was uh, very interesting. So if you're just joining us tonight uh, on BamInsider.com, please, first of all, hit the thumbs up button. Tons of news today, Bone. I mean, the news didn't stop. And when you're covering the Alabama Crimson Tide, you know, it's go, go, go. Uh, and that's the Bama factor. So if you want your team nuggets, go to BamInsider.com. we got the full scoop from practice today. Um, Alabama just got their official schedule for the 2020 season. And then this evening, Jalen Milrow jumps on board with the Crimson Tide. Monster pickup for Alabama, as Andrew Bone has alluded to. This is their first quarterback. And we talked about it before. Is Alabama going to take a quarterback? Are they going to take a running back? And then, um, you know, where there was smoke, there was fires. And uh, Texas just picked up a, a commit from the class of 2022. And Jalen Milrow jumps on tonight. Um, Bone, we had talked about Luke Altmeyer. Jalen Milrow jumps on board. Um, Alabama finally has their quarterback now up to 19 commitments. I'm going to bring it up on, on the screen right now. Um, I mean, this class has so much momentum. I mean, following Monkel Goodwine, Kyrie Jackson, now Jalen Milrow. I mean, this class, and I just wrote an article on Sunday, I mean, close to leapfrogging Ohio State or at least pushing the Buckeyes for that number one spot. How much momentum does this recruiting class have going into, I guess, September, which will be the first month, hopefully, of college football? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, tremendous. Uh, you know, certainly a, a, a different spot than they were uh, two months ago. Uh, I think Alabama was you know, number 61 overall in the country about two months ago. We kept telling everybody, be patient, be patient. Now Alabama has 19 commitments, you know, right there on the cusp of that number one overall class uh, in the country. I don't know if uh, Jalen pushed them to number one uh, just yet, but uh, but certainly, uh, you know, very close if uh, if they're not already number one, but uh, but certainly a tremendous class. You got to think, um, you know, with the offensive line class, the uh, you know the wide receiver class, uh, you know, probably pretty excited to get a, an elite quarterback on board in uh, in Jalen Milrow. Even though you know, Bryce Young's there, you know, this is a guy who's extremely talented. Uh, he's got a lot of plays with a lot of confidence, and uh, you know, you never know what may happen. I mean, we've seen uh, you know through the years, we, you know, we saw Jalen, you know, Hurts come in and uh, be the SEC offensive. Uh, player of the year during his freshman year. And then, um, you know, a couple of years later, uh, two is starting. So, uh, you know, it's very possible um, that, that he come in and, and make a tremendous impact. But uh, it also gives Alabama some tremendous quarterback depth because uh, you just don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. And uh, and Jalen Milrow joining this class, you know, somebody that I thought last summer, I, I was confident that this was going to be the guy in Alabama's recruiting class. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, Drake May commits. And uh, I think Milrow was uh, – I think at the time when he when Drake May committed, I think he was a little disappointed because I think he was heavily favoring Alabama. He was probably close to committing, and then all of a sudden Drake May commits, and uh, you know he he ends up having to make a he ended up making a decision. I don't <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if he rushed into that or if he was you know just said all right I'm gonna go ahead and commit. You know Texas was uh was my number two school, so that's where I'm gonna go. And uh, but now with Alabama, you know, opening things back up, and uh, you know, he certainly had a uh, you know tremendous uh, relationship with the coaching staff, uh, Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks, the lead recruiter, Steve Sarkeesian, obviously the uh, quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. He built a tremendous relationship with those guys throughout the process, and I think they're very very instrumental in uh, in landing his commitment. And something to also keep a very close eye on moving forward is his old teammate and very close friend. To Misa Adelie, just recently decommitted from the Ohio State Buckeyes, and he's a big-time target for the Crimson Tide. So you know, uh, you know for certain that Jalen Milrow is going to be recruiting uh, to Misa Adelie, the five-star defensive end, uh, to join him uh, on uh, you know on the Crimson Tide's commitment board. Yeah, Bone. When we uh, when we look at this class and um, we kind of look at the overall picture, I'll bring up the the screen one more time. Um, you see that there are, I believe, four prospects that are committed to Alabama from the Lone Star State. Can you talk about what Alabama has been able to do in the state of Texas? And um, I mean, it's it's really impressive that you know, despite everything going on in this country, Nick Saban and his staff still able to dive in to Texas to pull the Brockemeyer brothers, Kendrick Blackshire, and now adding Jalen Milrow. Talk about that, please. Well, I think it's huge. I mean, the, the fact with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID-19, you know, shutting the country down and, you know, a lot of these recruits not being able to take visits, uh, you know, during the spring, during the summer, uh, and Alabama still being able to get a lot of these guys on board. I think it's been, you know, pretty spectacular. You know, like I've been saying, you know, I've said this on our recruiting show several times, I felt like, you know, with guys like Jalen Milrow or Luke Altmaier, two guys who are, you know, quarterbacks that are committed elsewhere. Um, I kept thinking Alabama's going to have to get one of these guys back on campus uh, in order for them to, uh, you know, potentially flip. I said, and I said, if Alabama can get one of them on campus, 
they've got a great, great chance to flip them. And, you know, from what we've seen so far this year, Alabama doesn't have to get kids on campus to, uh, to commit, um, you know, or, you know, even a second time, uh, you know, we saw Christian Leary commit to Alabama without ever visiting JC Latham committed to Alabama, uh, without ever visiting. So seeing a lot of the, that happen this recruiting cycle, you know, all because of COVID-19, but, uh, you know, it's certainly a different situation than what everyone's accustomed to. But, uh, but I think this is, uh, you know, one of Alabama's best recruiting jobs because, you know, very low number of in-state kids. The majority of their, you know, guys are from out of state and they're doing a tremendous job recruiting in different parts of the country, you know, but especially the state of, the state of Texas and the state of Florida in this recruiting class. Well, and overall, I mean, the recruiting class, I mean, really heating up, um, you know, everybody wants to know who's next, who are other guys kind of on the verge to jumping on board of this class of 2021, as we talked about, who's just electrifying. Um, who are some other guys that Alabama fans should watch for in the next couple of months, um, the next couple of weeks that could be on Commitment Watch? I know you mentioned uh, Tamisi Adelier, but who are some other guys that um, Alabama fans should be tracking, should be watching? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd certainly watch t the uh, the tight end position. I keep thinking a tight end is going to jump on board eventually, and uh, it's certainly going to happen. And the two guys I'm continuing to watch are uh, are Robbie Oots out of uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, and Jalen Sheed out of uh, out of Olive Branch, Mississippi. Two guys that I think either one of them calls Alabama, you know, this evening and so says they want to commit. Alabama is going to take them, but I think it, they're only going to take one. So it's always it's going to depend on who decides to jump on board first. And Alabama likes uh, both of those guys a lot, and I think a decision uh, can come very soon for for either one of them. And obviously, we are we're always tracking Kool Aid. Uh, Quincy McKinstry, the number one player in the state of Alabama, you know, could be very close to making a decision as well. You know, it's top three of Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. Um, you know, a lot of talk about Auburn, you know, here lately, you know, all the talk was uh, said, I, I think Alabama is still very much in the picture with him. Um, you know, a lot of other guys at Alabama is heavily pursuing, still plan on waiting a little while before making decisions. Uh, I think a lot of them have gotten to this point. They want to wait until uh, potentially after their senior season before making a decision, hopefully to take some visits. I don't know if visits are going to happen this fall or not, just the way that, that things are going. But, uh, but I think a lot of these kids are wanting to wait a little while longer before making commitments. So we'll We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, as we said last week, you know, we did not have Jalen Milrow on our commitment watch uh, list last week. So uh, there's always the possibility of, of somebody jumping on board uh, at any moment. And this was a huge get for Alabama today. All right. Uh, before we let you go, um, let's talk about Steve Sarkeesian and just kind of the job that he's done, uh, in, not only with the quarterbacks, but from a recruiting perspective. Um, I mean, now two point five million, the highest paid assistant in all of college football. What does he bring to Alabama? Not only from a coaching philosophy standpoint, but recruiting. I mean, he certainly goes after the guys he wants. He gets he played an instrumental role and uh, to a tongue Bryce Young. So continue to talk about kind of what Sarkeesian brings to that quarterback room. Well, he's always been known as an as an elite recruiter from uh, from his days uh, at USC uh, and Washington. He was always a, a, a you know top end recruiter out on the West Coast, and you know coming to Alabama, uh, you know, done a great job uh, the last couple of years. And I think he's got a you know really good chance to uh, you know pull in some more big guys in this recruiting class. You look at the offensive class overall. I mean, you know, just because you have an area recruiter doesn't mean the uh, you know the coach. Uh, that's on the that's the offensive coordinator or the quarterbacks coach isn't recruiting you as well and uh, you know he's had his hand on, on every single offensive recruit in this recruiting class you know and also you know obviously played a major role in uh, in recruiting Jalen Milrow and getting him on board so uh, so gotta give a lot of credit to Coach Sark and in, uh, in his recruiting efforts this uh, this this recruiting cl class.
Definitely, Bo. And I mean, it's a, a big day for the Alabama Crimson Tide. For more recruiting coverage on the Crimson Tide, be sure and go to BamaInsider.com. we got the full scoop on Jalen Milrow. I'm about to bring our team writer in, Tony Sukalis. Uh, Bone, we're going to exit you out, and we're going to bring Tony in, and we're going to talk about um, Alabama's 2020 schedule. So thank you so much for joining us, Bone. Um, we'll catch you next time, and we're about to uh, take a, just a quick break, and uh, we're going to bring in Tony Sukalis. So um, let's see if we can get Tony in here. Tony, what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Great. Um, Alabama's football schedule came out. I mean, it was just uh, news after news today for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, here's a look at the overall schedule. Missouri, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, then open week on November 7th. LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas uh, to round out the schedule. Early observations uh, on, on this particular schedule. So when I'm looking at this schedule, I, I'm seeing the Texas A&M at Ole Miss, home against Georgia, and at Tennessee. That's your, that's your hard stretch in the schedule. I think most of your hard games here are, are, are buffered by easier games. But if you were going to pick a, a part in the schedule, for me at least, that, that's a little bit challenging. I, I, I say I look at that um, because, you know, that they – I'm interested to see, you know, how improved Lane Kiffin is and if that's going to be kind of more of a easy game or can that be like a, a trap game in between the games against Texas A&M and Georgia. And then that trip to Tennessee could be tough. If they get past that, I think the the home game against Mississippi State's really winnable. You got an open date before LSU, which I think is always preferred. That's, that's you know, what Alabama likes to do in the past. So, uh, you know, I like that for them. Um it's kind of weird not having the Auburn game as the last game of the season, but when you look at it, it's still during that Thanksgiving break. So I think it will still feel like the, your traditional Iron Bowl. And then it, it's kind of wrapped up by what I think are probably two of the easiest games Alabama will play, like on, on either end. Um, you start at Missouri. I think that's a really winnable game. And then I think, you know, you end at Arkansas, which should be, should be really easy. And I think if Alabama is, you know, in contention or – you know, going for an SEC West title, I think that's a great way that they can kind of maybe recharge for a potential uh, SEC championship game because not only will they get that game against Arkansas, which, I mean, let's face it, is kind of a gimme, then they also have a bye week afterwards. So I think that, you know, I think as an from an Alabama perspective, I, I kind of like the way this set up for Alabama. I think, you know, there are parts that, you know, could be challenging. I mean, looking at, at LSU versus Kentucky versus Auburn could be kind of challenging, but um, I think that four game stretch early in the season, starting at AM and ending at, at Tennessee, is a, is really going to be the most challenging spot for me. We have Tony Sukalas of BamInsider.com with us right now. If you just missed it, Jalen Milrow, Rivals 100 quarterback, has committed to Alabama. Flip from Texas. Go to BamInsider.com. Tons of coverage on Jalen Milrow. Gigantic day of news for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama also held their first practice of um this season and you know there's there's a lot to go over with alabama nick saban talked um you know about several items today tony did you have any takeaways from uh saban's press conference he touched on a variety of topics and we certainly will bring that press conference to you uh later on this evening um let's start kind of with dylan moses talked about dylan moses such a great leader coming back for this season yeah, I mean, Dylan Moses, he says – Saban didn't go too in-depth into injuries, but he did say that uh, Dylan Moses was full goal, as are the rest of Alabama's players. Um, when you look at, you know, Will Riker, LeBron Ray, Joshua McMillan, it, it sounds like all of those guys are, you know, uh, all 
participating and ready to go. I think the only player that's hurt right now is uh, Ali Kaho, and he's just got a slight uh, knee injury. I think he'll be out for the next couple of days, but I don't even think that's anything major to go with as, as well. What about this offensive line? So much experience coming back um, to this 2020 season. Um, Alex Leatherwood, certainly a guy you got to think is going to anchor this entire offensive line. Um, I mean, so much experience returning to the 2020 season. Yeah, yeah. It was in interesting to see how they you know play that out because there's a few ways they can do it. But um, when you're looking at this offensive line, it really can be the strength of this of this offense. Uh, um, you return four to five starters and um, – You've got first round guys like Alex Leatherwood. And I think, you know, you, you'll look at it and maybe in, a, in another year, uh, Evan Neal will be a first rounder as well. So a um, lot of talent here, uh, big guys, movers. You, got, you guys got like Landon Dickerson and, and, and Deontay Brown. So guys that can really contribute in the run game. And then you have really nice bookends, which I, I think they're going to move Neal to that other tackle. So I, I think you're sitting in really good shape there. And as we talked about earlier, I mean, with a veteran uh, experience coming back with Dylan Moses, you also have Joshua McMillan coming back um, and a lot of guys who played in the inside linebacker um, position last year. And Saban talked about, you know, the that the fact that the defense certainly needs to improve uh, going into this 2020 season. Yeah, definitely. I think, the, you know, that that's the if you look at this team, the, the I guess, weakness that they would have would be on defense. And I think that's the spots that that's the you know unit that needs the most uh holes to be filled i mean they got to fill both their pat uh they're starting two pass rushers um and then four out of the five uh defensive backs in the secondary so we've talked about that a lot this offseason i think that's the biggest question mark heading into alabama is just can they get that pass rush and you know can they kind of sort out the secondary but i i expect them to do that i, I do think it's going to be a little bit tough because if you look at it um they won't really have the time to they're, they're going to have to grow up really fast. Let's put it that way. I mean, when you look at some of those games early, I mean, Texas A&M week two, that, that could be a challenging game. And Georgia week four, another one. So they're going to have to grow up pretty fast. But I think, you know, I think they'll have that ability to do so. Um, lastly, before we let you go, Tony, um, this show started out with a quarterback committing to Alabama, Jalen Milrow. If you want to watch this, be sure and rewatch it. Uh, take a quick minute to thumbs up and to subscribe to this channel for more Alabama football coverage. Um, but there's another quarterback that's returning for Alabama, Mac Jones. You've talked about Mac Jones, um, you know, all summer season since last season. Um, talk about, you know, his veteran leadership and what you feel that's going to provide for this team going into this season. Yeah, I think, you know, you're just going to get a, a, a big time leader in, in Mac Jones and somebody that I feel like and I feel like a broken record saying this, but I feel like he'll end up being the best quarterback in the SEC. I, I truly think that he's got, you know, all the cards in his favor. Um, he's got a great offense around him, a great line blocking for him. And I, I really think we're going to see him take even another step up. We've already seen him perform against top level competition in, in Michigan and not in Auburn as well. And so I think he's going to be ready for it. I think he's going to be probably one of the the driving forces for Alabama early on. That's going to really help them right the ship and, um, and get through some of those tough games early on. Hey, thank you so much, Tony Hill for the contribution tonight. $10. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, you know, one of our goals at BamaInsider.com is certainly to provide you with uh, the premier coverage on the Alabama Crimson side, whether that's the team coverage, whether that's the recruiting side, uh, both Tony and Andrew do a fantastic job when it comes to that coverage. So be sure, um, you know, and continue to support us. I, we certainly appreciate that, whether that's just on social media, whether that's back at BamaInsider.com, whether that's right here on YouTube. So please thumbs up this video. It certainly goes a long way. More coverage, 
coming to you at BamaInsider.com. I got an exclusive nugget report coming your way. You don't want to miss that. Jalen Milrow has committed to Alabama. Big night for Alabama. You got the scheduling. You got Nick Saban speaking to the media. You got Jalen Milrow. You got the, the schedule. I mean, it, it doesn't stop. And um, we'll continue to provide you with coverage back at BamaInsider.com. Free promo code to the website is simply Roll Tide at checkout. Um, Alabama now with 19 committed prospects. Who's next? Go to BamaInsider.com. Chat with thousands of Alabama Crimson Tide football fans. We'll catch you soon. BamaInsider.com. He's Tony Sukalas. I'm Kyle Henderson. We had Andrew Bonner on, on earlier, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the BamaInsider.com podcast. Be sure and follow us on BamaInsider.com along with on YouTube. Just search BamaInsider.com. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we'll catch up with you soon.